Welcome to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast, your home for stories, inspiration, and advice from athletes over 40. I'm your host, Robin Leggett. I'm a later in life athlete who became a roller derby skater in my 30s and a runner and obstacle racer in my 40s. Now I'm an athletic aging coach who helps women over 40 experience the massive life benefits that come with exploring your athletic potential at any age and any fitness background. If that fires you up, keep listening. Let's do this. Are you tired of trying to figure out how to fit a fitness routine into your schedule in a way that doesn't overcomplicate your already busy life? Take a big breath, take a step back, and then start with your first five days. Your first five days is a free mini challenge that's all about setting that foundation to get you back into your body, your energy, and your confidence with simplicity and ease. Each day during your first five days, you'll get daily mini podcast episodes that you can listen to while you move. Each episode will give you simple tips and action steps you can use to make fitness a part of your everyday life in a way that doesn't feel heavy, hard, or stressful. Now is your time to get back into daily movement and experience all the magical stress reducing energy boosting benefits that come with it and it starts with your first five days get it for free at robinleggett.com slash five Jen Drummond is a mountaineer currently on a mission to become the first woman to complete all of the second seven summits, which are the second highest peaks in all seven continents. She is the founder of Bold, Brave, Beautiful, a blog and community where she invites people to become more conscious of their life purpose and take action toward achieving what seems impossible. After walking away from what should have been a fatal car crash in 2018, Jen found herself reignited with a sense of purpose to make the absolute most of every minute of her life. And her calling was the mountains. On top of all of this, Jen is a mother of seven. Yeah, you heard that right. Mother of seven. In our conversation, we talk quite a bit about how she weaves and integrates her family life into her training and her adventures. And hopefully it'll give you ideas about how to create more adventure in your life. So here is self-proclaimed goal getter extraordinaire, Jen Drummond. Hi, Jen. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? You bet. Awesome. Well, you know, I I gave a little information before we got started about your just remarkable life that you are living. And I want to get into the nitty gritty of how you got into this and what inspires these adventures. But first, I'm going to ask the question that I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I am proudly 40 years old. <laughs> you just barely crossed the threshold of I being know, an official seasoned athlete. So welcome to seasoned athletehood. Thank you. <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning. What did your early athletic life look like? Did you play sports or were you active growing up? I was active growing up. Um, if I did activities, I did not have to do chores. So, yes, we all could use that incentive. (laughs) It was wonderful. I wish it worked as well in my children. Of of which you have seven. So, yeah, I'm sure you tried. We tried. (laughs) I did a lot of everything as a child, right? I played tennis. I did sailing. I was an avid soccer player, even played in college. Yeah, just whatever would keep me outside and with friends. Yeah, it's sort of a similar upbringing to me. I did not play sports growing up, but I always liked being active in some way, just like loose, unstructured activeness. And I think that does play into, you know, stepping into an active and athletic life when you're older, despite possibly living a life where you may not have even considered yourself an athlete in any sort of way. Can you speak to that? Oh, a thousand percent. Like even today, people will say, well, you're an athlete. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. I don't identify as an athlete. I identify as like a mom, somebody that works or volunteers and athleticism is kind of my side hustle, but I'm starting to embrace it a little bit more. Yeah. Because athleticism doesn't have to be a profession. Like many athletes are not paid or not paid well, but you know, it's about that, that drive to challenge yourself. I think if you exercise in a way where you strive for challenge and you strive to test yourself like that, those are all earmarks of an athlete, I think. So would you say that applies to you? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. I would say that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to hear you say. Um, so, 
you know, it's, it's a big difference between like, I am generally loosely active and I am called to the mountains, which these are your words that I read in, in your bio that you discovered you had a calling to the mountains. How did you get to that point? You know, I moved my family to Park City, Utah in 2015. And so we live in the mountains, right? And we spend our winter skiing. We spend our summers hiking. We do a little mountain biking. And there's just something about them that allows me to relax into me. I think there's they're huge. They're big. They're everywhere. And when I look at them, I'm like, oh, my problems are tiny. Oh, it's no big deal. Like, <laughs> right? let's, get, let's get a bigger macro picture of things and stop going so micro. And so I feel called to them because they help me stay centered. Yeah. It's, I, I remember thinking that way about the ocean. You know, I'm in, I'm in California. I'm in Southern California, grew up in Northern California. And it's so easy to get lost in the day-to-day of life. And then you put yourself in front of like massive nature, whether it's the ocean, whether it's a mountain, and it really does put a lot of things into perspective, doesn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah. So you had a car accident that changed your perspective even further. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. I think all of us at some point in life have these events that cause us to pivot. Um, Mine for sure was a car accident. So in 2018, I was driving on the highway and got clipped by a semi, rolled three times and ended upside down in the median, like waiting because I think I've watched too many Hollywood videos to be hit by somebody else. I'm like, this isn't done. Somebody's going to crack me and I'm going to slide more. I mean, I think we would all do that, right? You just brace. It's like, I'm in the middle of a highway. Yeah. Yeah. So then this guy comes running towards me and he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I, my first words were, are there anybody, is there anybody else in this accident? He said, you're the only one that's going to be injured. Are you okay? And so I closed my eyes and wiggled my fingers and toes because I didn't even want to look at myself. And I'm like, I can feel my fingers and toes. I'm okay. Like, I'm going to be okay. And so I told him, I'm okay. I'm okay. And he's like, well, we need to wait for the ambulance to come to get you out of the car just because we don't know if there's any spinal injuries or anything like that. And I said, okay. So he just sat and talked to me. Um, Ambulance came, got me out. We did all the testing. They said, we should go to the hospital just to make sure like adrenaline's not masking something. And I said, okay, that's fine. And walked away from the accident. About two weeks later, the police officers called and they said, hey, just wanted to let you know, we rebuilt that accident about 50 times and we don't have you surviving in one of them, let alone walking away like you did. And like when you're in an accident like that, there's something about facing death that puts life into life, right? And this accident happened like right before Christmas and probably for the next three months, I wish I could say longer, but I'll be honest about three months, like everything was amazing. (laughs) Watching little fingers were open wrapping paper, like, like just like the awe, like this piece of grass that's going through the snow or why did this happen this way? Like everything's just so miraculous because so much of life just happens and we get to observe it. Right. And so I'm going through that accident in my head and I said, you know what, if I died, like, what would they say? I'm like a great room mom that picks brownies or like, you know, like it was just like the resume that I was leaving wasn't what I wanted it to be. Right. And before the accident, I'd always said, I'm going to launch my kids. And then once my kids are launched, I'm going to get back to me because my responsibility is them. And when you say kids are launched, mean like raise them to adulthood or yeah, like get them into college. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like off payroll. <laughs> yeah, right? Launch, like launch them out of your house. <laughs> yes, <right. laughs> like, like literally like, boom, you're out. Right. <laughs> We're contributing to society where I'm not like feeding you every meal. Um, right. Right. So I, and that's the, that's the thought process that so many moms have too. It's like, I'm going to put myself aside until they are able to take care of themselves. And then I get to, then I get to get back to me. Yeah. And society kind of supports that. Right. I mean, you're not shamed for being a super mom by any means. Right. And so I sat with that and I'm like, you know what, maybe I should look at this as my life is just as important as theirs. 
and we should start doing life in parallel. And that was a big shift. And when I started thinking down that track, I'm like, okay, where can I make impact? How can I serve? Where do I feel feel full? And kind of like walk down that road. And when you're walking down that road, I'm like hiking in the mountains, right? And I'm like, this is where <laughs> those I are feel, your roads. Those are my roads. <laughs> this is where I feel center. This is where I feel full. This is where I can like walk to a point, come back home, and just you know navigate life. And so one day my son comes home from school, one of my sons, and he's like crying about his math homework. And I'm like, listen, we do hard things. Okay. So we're going to sit in this math assignment and we're going to do this. And he goes, mom, if we do hard things, why aren't you climbing Everest? <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> the of babes, right? <laughs> I'm like, you, you didn't, did you? And so I'm like, you know what? Maybe mom should climb Everest. Let's look into it. So then my kids went to school. They came back with books and they're like, yeah, my mom's going to climb Everest. And I'm like, you know, kids talk before you actually do something. Right. You're like, now you're telling your friends this. Great. <laughs> like, awesome. So anyways, <laughs> we sat down, we looked at it and I'm like, you know what? Mom is going to climb Everest. Let's do this. Like I'll, I'll, I'm going to do this hard thing. You're going to do your hard thing. And we're going to do these hard things together. That is quite a way to get your son to do his math homework, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve Price over in this household. Let me wait, tell you. Wait, wait, just a little side note. Like when you were a kid, you were active to avoid chores as an adult. <laughs> You are active so your kids can do what they need to do. Something strikes me as a little off there, but you know, if it works. Hey, right. <laughs> so anyway, so we started looking into this and I hired a coach to help me get ready because when you set goals as Everest or whatever goal is, you don't start with Everest, right? Like you have to start with baby steps to get you prepared and make sure like along the way you're, you're getting closer to that end goal. But with being such a big goal, I had a smaller Yes. And so the coach and I were identifying different mountains along the way that would get me prepared for Everest. And I'm like, okay, well, while I am doing these mountains, I'm actually having great success and I'm feeling good. My kids are learning about different cultures of where the mountains that I'm going to are. And we're just having like this big family fun thing about it. And one day, one of my the coach says, well, if you guys do hard things over there, you know that the seven second summits have not been done by a female before. And I think you're like the perfect candidate for it. I'm like, oh, are you serious? <laughs> so then, <laughs> and, you know, and of course there's like a part of that intrigues you, right? You're like, oh, okay. I'm looking at it. So I mean, look- if you're intrigued by Everest, then yeah, that, that, then you have that personality that's going to want, it's like, oh, you have a bigger challenge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. Let's, let's look into this. So I looked into it and I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I want to do this. I love experiencing the cultures. I love working towards goals. I love empowering myself and empowering people around me. And this kind of satisfied all, all of the parts. So at first I was going to just do this with my kids and I, and then I was like, wait, 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 this is a pretty big thing. Mountains are pretty metaphoric right? If I'm going to climb my mountain, what is your mountain? And how can we use this energy to empower each other? So birth the website, boldbravebeautiful.com. And that whole concept is we have to be bold enough to look at ourselves and be like, who am I? What ignites me? Where am I like, where am I in this piece of the world? You have to be brave enough to like allow that to be what it is, right? I mean, I was working in the financial service industry, making a decent income. I have seven children. I call mom and dad. Hey, I think I'm going to like quit working in finance and start climbing mountains. Yeah, how do they <laughs> react to that? Oh, they were thrilled. They're like, you've been out West way too long. You should come back to the Midwest. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. That's, that has to have been a really difficult concept for your parents to understand because in their generation, it's like when they launched you, it was all about, she has a great job. She goes to college, has a great career, provides for the family. Like those were markers of success. So that had to have been a challenging thing for them to wrap their heads around. Oh yeah. Because financial success doesn't mean mental success. It doesn't mean like spiritual. hundred percent. Right. Right. And so I'm like, I've done the financial card. Let me try to explore these other aspects of human. And, um, 
So then as you do this like bold, brave, the beautiful comes from living your authentic truth. And whatever that is, it's beautiful. And we see it all the time when we're watching people in their element, whatever that element is like playing an instrument or delivering a speech or doing an amazing surgery. You watch that just in awe because they're in flow. They're like connected and they're doing their magic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I got into this and then started including others. And then that energy just builds and builds and builds. And all of a sudden you're like, how could I do anything different? <laughs> like, this is amazing. Right. Right. You, you landed on that, that meant to be place for you, which so many people don't ever do, you know, and it's, it's funny because I think what happens is, is you start heading in a direction and then doors start opening that you never even knew were there before. Like I didn't start with, I'm going to go do the seven second summits, right? right? Like I started with this other idea. And then as ideas get energy and movement and you pursue them, sometimes you pivot or turn or corner and you keep growing. And as you do that, you come more home to yourself, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty life's just amazing. (laughs) I mean, you're, yes. (laughs) I love how you're living and you've used some really interesting language, which I don't hear every day. Like I wrote down, I'm taking notes as, as we do this interview. And when you said life in parallel, I'm like, like nobody says that, but it sounds like that's been a running theme in everything you've done. It started with your family. Like I'm not going to live for them. I'm going to live life in parallel with them. And then And I'm sure, and we're, I want to get into that a little more, like how this has played out with your family, but also with Bold, Brave, Beautiful, you're living life in parallel with the world, with anyone who wants to live in parallel with you. So uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Well, yeah. Like here's an example. I was anti-social media. Like I thought I didn't have face. I didn't have any of that stuff. Right. Because I'm like, I'm going to do my thing. You do your thing. I don't need to report it to the world. Um, Back in October, I started this whole bold, brave, beautiful ended like that theory. And I had to start doing social media and websites and Facebook and all this other kind of stuff. And my concept of it was negative and it was so quickly turned positive that it was crazy. I had another aspect, like another thought process on it. And I'll give you an example. So I have seven little humans and I'm doing these big athletic goals because they're what I'm called to. And some lady texts me and she's like, I have two kids and I walked to get my mail today instead of like driving the car to get it. And I did that because I like saw what you were doing and I didn't have an excuse anymore. And like by her sharing that story, like when things get hard for me and parts of what I'm doing, I remember like, I have to go on because that lady did that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did what I'm doing. And then there was this other female that reached out to me that across like the world And she had wanted to go climb this mountain that I was going to climb, but she got diagnosed with cancer. So she couldn't. And she was like, I'm cheering you on and watching you because this is like the closest that I'm going to get to this opportunity. And so I bought prayer flags for her. And then I hung them at the top for her and somebody I never even met before. Right. But we're all so connected that if we allow ourselves to be, and if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and share our stories and connect, we all become so much stronger. I mean, there was moments in that hike. I'm I'm just going to turn around. I'm like, I can't, I have to bring these prayer flags to the top for this human. That is, and that's what gives you the motivation to keep going. Right. Right. And we do that for each other all day long. I just don't think we always stop to recognize it. Yeah. It's taking what is, you know, on surface, a solo effort, And turning it into this like community effort and movement where you're bringing these people up there with you and they're driving you to get through the hard parts is what it sounds like. Oh, a thousand percent. Like, I'm so grateful for everybody that's following along and I'm, and they even share like some of the stories that they're going after. And it's so fun to be able to be a cheerleader for them too, right? Like we go back and forth and that's the parallel thing. Sometimes I need your support. Sometimes you need my support. But if we're always open with what we need and what we can give, then we all benefit. Yeah. 
And it's like, everybody has their own Everest, you know, Everest is a metaphor for everybody. And especially now, especially in the last year, as, as we're recording this interview, we're hitting the one year mark of the pandemic. And so, you know, everybody has had their own Everest that has popped up in their lives or multiple versions of it. And, you know, you have this amazing opportunity to help people get to their summits whatever that looks like. We've talked about the lady that's like, I walked to get my mail instead of driving because I saw what you were doing. It's like, you're making these little, these little differences for people are actually big, impactful differences for people, especially in this time we're in now. You said you launched Bold Brave Beautiful in October last, mm-hmm. this past October. Yep. Yeah. So this is, you know, we'd been in, this is in, new, like, well, I mean, we're new, brand, right? <laughs> we've been in lockdown for a long time. So it sounds like it was, it was a very timely thing to create the source of connection in a time of great isolation. Yeah. Right. And that's probably which helped contribute to the success off the bat, right? People are starving for connection. They're starving for motivation. They're starving for inspiration. And the reality is, is that that's inside of all of us just sometimes the noise of the universe gets in the way of the signal. So just connecting back to that, like I leave for Everest in about a month, my kids and I ordered a whole bunch of pencils saying like, what's your Everest so that they could hand them out to all their friends at school. And I've got, been able to talk to their classrooms. And in fact, technology these days, this is what's crazy. I'm going to be at Everest base camp and I'm going to be able to phone call into their classrooms from base camp and talk to them and say like, okay, I'm going on my Everest. How are your Everest goals coming? And it's just awesome. I mean, it's so cool. cool. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. How I I love that so much. It's like the world's greatest career day. <laughs> so let's talk about what you have done so far. So it's the second seven summits or seven. Yep. Okay. yep. So that's the second highest point on each continent. I've done two of them so far. So Ojo del Salado, which is down in Chile. And then I just got back from Mount Kenya, which is in Kenya. So I'm heading to Everest um, next month which is not a second summit. It's a first summit. Yeah. But as crazy as it sounds, I'm using Everest as training ground for K2, which is the second summit. So K2 is a little bit shorter than, or not as high as Everest, but it's way more technically difficult. Mm -hmm. So being able to do Everest, it allows me to kind of test my body at that altitude, see how I want to fuel, how I want to dress, how I want to layer. Because at those higher altitudes, you can't take off your gloves without getting frostbite, yeah. right? So you need to be dialed in and know exactly. Like you have to have the right do. stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's something. Yeah. Out on Everest, right? Like, you right. know what they are and they're going to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, don't try anything for the first time up there. I mean, that's a standard rule of, of any sort of racing is don't do anything for the first time on race day, but yeah. on Everest, like that's yeah. Magnified. A really big deal. <laughs> But yeah, it's something I talk about, you know, with my training clients, with people I coach, it's like, you know, it's beyond just training. It's it gear is such a big deal. And and on my level, it's on like a way, way, way smaller scale compared to what you're doing. You can make mistakes with gear and ultimately be okay. <laughs> have all your but- fingers. Have all your fingers at the end of the day, but like for these climbs that you do, where you're doing them, like you do have to have them a hundred percent dialed in. You have to have the best gear that's going to work for you in any circumstance. Yes. And then I I have a list of summits that you've done. So there's Grand Teton, 13,776 feet. So Cotopaxi, 19,347 feet, Autobahn. So yeah, I have a huge list. Um, and so I want to get into a little segment, which is like the worst and the best uh, in your experience. I love kind of going through that. So can you tell me the story of, you know, maybe your least favorite climbing experience or your hardest day out there? Do you have a story like that? Yeah, they're all, they're all, everything's like unique, right? Like, so for example, Ojos del Salado is a volcano, right? It, so you don't have this like beautiful mountain range that you get a look at. You're almost like climbing up a pimple off the, the Atacama <laughs> Desert in Chile. <laughs> yeah. And 
like because you, and it's very similar the entire climb for the most part so you have to look at your watch and be like okay i've been hiking for 30 minutes so i know i'm further along than where i was but it's sure it looks the same like it looks a lot the same and when you're there it's volcanic rock so like if you sit down to take a break which i did my snow pants got sliced because it's so sharp, right? And I'm like, oh my God, like this mountain hates me. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> um, so that was like extremely challenging because it was so much of the same. It was freezing cold weather with extreme winds. And yeah, it was, it wasn't my favorite, but at the same time, it was like, I got through it. And when you get through it, you build this confidence and it becomes like a part of you and you can carry it forward. And the culture of Chile is so generous and loving and exciting. So I don't want to like slam their culture because I really love them, but their yeah. that mountain wasn't my favorite. Well, the mountain has nothing to do with the culture. The mountain, they they didn't design it, like they True. designed True. it. But what's your biggest takeaway from that experience? That wind is a form of torture. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Like, like I had no idea that we could use wind as torture, and wind is torture. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And I think. <laughs> That also like just helped me realize that um, there's so many different landscapes in this world if you really get to look at them and experience them. And some people are called for the desert and I am not. And that's right. okay. That's fair. So, yeah. You know, your description reminded me, have you heard of Subpar Parks? Have you heard of the artist that does the art that's based around one star review of national parks? Oh, okay. okay. It's, it's it's really funny stuff, but it, she she creates these designs that are all based on one star reviews of national parks so it's like a beautiful national park and someone's like there's nothing to see here and then she makes art about it and so that's what it reminded me it's like it's like climbing a pimple <laughs> but, it is, yeah but you know it's it's like and when you get the opportunity to see everything everywhere like you're not gonna love every experience like you're gonna love some things you're gonna be drawn to some things more than others and that's fair but but you're putting yourself into these experiences regardless and you're challenging yourself in all different ways, not just the ways you like, right? Right, right. Yeah. So on the other side, what was your favorite climb so far and why? Oh man, I, Ama de Blom, which is in Nepal. Um, you can see it from, you can see Everest from there. And the Himalayas are so vast that it's hard to even describe them to people. When you go look at a picture of the Grand Canyon, you don't really understand the magnitude of the Grand Canyon until right. like you stand at the edge of the Grand right. Canyon. I've been there, so that I know. Yeah. Yes, um, it is different. So the Himalayas, like you stand there and it is like a sea of mountains, mm. right? Like it's, it's almost like you're looking at the ocean. You just see all these little ripples of mountaintops. And um, being in something like in that environment was just, so amazing. And the people of Nepal have, they're, they're primarily Hindu, which means like they don't kill anything. I mean, they had like, they're building a retirement home and it was taking longer because they had to relocate all the worms. Oh, wow. And, and that's like <laughs> the culture that they come from and to approach everything is the lens that they use. So it's just, it's, it's, it's just off. Right. And then you, and the neat thing about climbing Ama de Blom is there's so many, you have like the yellow tower and the gray tower and the mushroom Ridge and all these little like landmarky type differences. So once you get through one, you built, you're like, yes, I did that. Now I'm onto the next one. Or I'm onto the next one. And yeah, I like that. That, that helps me when I have like little markers that say like, hey, I'm getting somewhere I'm doing something. And yeah. That sounds, I mean, compared to the last one, compared where you couldn't tell if you've even moved forward at all, it sounds like that is, that is helpful and important for you. Yes. <laughs> so I want to get back to your family. You're a mom of seven and you're living life in parallel. And you talked about how you are looping them into the Everest experience that, you know, you're, you're sharing it with them, with their schools, with the other kids in their schools. But I want to go deeper into this. and. You know, I don't want to ask the same old question of, you know, how do you balance motherhood and your adventures, which I'm sure every single person who's ever interviewed you has asked you that. And it's a question for some reason we only ask women too. We don't ever ask the dads like, you know, how do you do that? But, you know, at the same time, 
as you mentioned, there was a mom who like couldn't even walk to the mailbox until you inspired her to do that. Like there are moms who are barely able to manage, you know, one or two kids and their jobs, especially in pandemic, working at home, homeschool, all of that stuff. It just can feel really, really heavy and overbearing. And, and then, you know, we look at you and you are, you're climbing mountains all over the world with seven kids. So can you go in a little deeper about how you are living life in parallel with a family this big? Yeah. I mean, it's, it takes a lot of effort and intention and I have to be very gentle on myself at times. So my coach will build a plan out for me each week. And if I can hit that plan, I like I win. Right. But there's many days that it doesn't happen as it's laid out. And I just have to know, like, my kids are important. And if I have a two hour hike in there and I only get a one hour hike in one hour is better than zero hours. Right. Right. So I have to be gentle with myself there. One of my sons is 14. One of them's almost 13. So on my weightlifting days, to just keep the body balanced, I bring them to the gym with me. Mm -hmm. So that allows us to have like some bonding time. We're both kind of working towards the goal. They might be doing a little bit different things. We're in the gym together. Right. Right. Um, I will drop the kids off at school and then I will start to help pick them up from school. So during the time that they're in school, those are kind of my free hours. And to make the most of those, I'm prepared the day before right? I have all my, before I go to bed, I have like all my water bottles poured. I know exactly where I'm going and know what I'm doing so that when the next day comes, we just pick up, boom, 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 and go. It helps because I'm hiking and not running. So if I have to take phone calls or do things, I can do that on the trail. And I'm not like, <laughs> right. Yeah. You can so multitask to a degree. I can multitask to a degree. And you know, a lot of the stuff that I do is steep and my kids will tell you, and it's like silly, but I have like a little tiny step stool in my bathroom. So when I'm brushing my teeth, I'll step up and down. I'll step up and down when we're doing homework at the the kitchen table. They'll be like, oh, mom's bringing her step stool in. And I'll like just step up and down while they're reading to me. And (laughs) do they make fun of you for that? Oh, a thousand percent. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, hey, listen, mom's getting up these buttons. So let's just remember why we're laughing. Um, So it's just a lot of like intention of making sure it gets in making sure I forgive myself if it doesn't and working around their schedule. So that our schedules both work. I have a very supportive community with what I'm doing. So there's moms that will be like, Hey, I'll grab so-and-so from school so I can have an extra 45 minutes. Okay, great. That's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about all of this is it's transferable to people who are not doing things at the level you're doing. Like I, I, I took down a couple notes on some things. First of all, the preparedness, like, Parents who want to be more active, but they, they're not climbing mountains. They just want to get a workout in the next day. You talked about, you know, pulling your clothes, your shoes, your water bottle the night before. This is like standard advice that coaches give people all the time who struggle to fit fitness into their day-to-day life is what can you do the night before? Can you pull those clothes out? Like what can you do to make your life easier when it comes time to do the thing you need to do? And it sounds like that's what you're doing. I love the creativity of, you know, I can't climb mountains all the time, but I can step up and down on a step stool anytime. So there are ways to find creativity in small little chunks of time. And that's something that busy parents can do in regards to any workout. something I like to talk about is like, you don't need hours and hours to get a workout in. Like you get the time you get. And so for you, it's like, yeah, I'd like to do this long, but today I only get to do this long. And if I only have 20 minutes, I'm going to step up and down on my step ladder for 20 minutes. It's boring, but I'm going to do it. So, you know, you get what you get and you make the most of that time, but it's a shift of mindset around like the parameters of what, what is acceptable for a workout, you know, that it has to be a certain length of time, that it has to be at a certain place or a certain time that there's ways to get creative and ways to get strategic in getting that time in. And so your example is a great one because you have really ambitious goals that really do require the training that you're doing, but you're figuring out how to slot it in, in the times that you have, how to include your family 
in it, like you talked about your strengths training and how to involve community and helping you get it done as well. So I love that. That's, that's what I wanted to get into here basically to help others see what that can look like for themselves, even if they're not looking to climb Everest. Yeah. I mean, it's even when somebody has soccer practice, right? I'm the nerdy mom that's running laps around the field. You know, like it doesn't make sense for me to go home and then come back and pick him up. I'm like, there's an hour and 15 minutes. What can I do at that park while he's training? And then he waves to me while he's kicking a ball and I'm running around or doing skipping or doing whatever. And it's just, you multitask in certain areas that don't require hundred percent attention. Yeah. And you get to be the weirdo who does the weird things. You know, I, I've been that like, I've embraced the weirdo. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's And it's okay to do that when you have these goals that require you to, to do that. Like I'm an obstacle racer. And for a while I was going to like a big box gym and I'd be the weirdo that would bring my own ropes to connect to the pull-up bars and you do rope pull-ups, or I would be carrying, you know, a weight on the treadmill on the highest incline where people are like, what is she doing? Like you're the, you're that weirdo. That's like, that's cool that you're going to watch soccer practice. I'm going to run around. Who wants to join me? Right. Yeah, <laughs> <totally>. <laughs> I always, you know, and anytime I watch parents watching kids practices, I'm like, oh, I need to come and just grab you all and lead you in a workout right now. Because like you could be making use of this time. This is like an hour of time that you don't realize you have available to do this for yourself. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. So again, Great example. That's what I want to share with my audience. I want, hopefully everybody listening is getting some ideas of like, oh yeah, here's a pocket of time that I could use, or here's a way that I could get a workout in that I didn't think I could, or maybe I will run around the field or even walk around the field during soccer practice instead of sitting and watching. I don't need to sit and watch every time. Yeah. I mean, we even do silly things where we're sitting at a stoplight and we stuck our stomachs in as tight as we can. And so you can keep their stomach tight the entire stoplight until it goes green again. Right. That's, and it's a fun game you can do with your kids. It's a fun game you do with your kids and it makes your core strong. Right. You know, we do it every time, but I'm like, oh, I haven't done this. Today. Okay. Here's something I can do. And if you keep these like little five minute, one minute, two minute, 10 minute, like workout things that you can do when you have those little windows throughout the day, you get them and you, you yeah. do them. And when you turn it into a game, it gets your kids involved and, and you, you change from like, I have to watch them or focus on what they're doing, but you loop them in. They think it's just a fun game. And you're like, I'm getting my training in (laughs) (laughs) a secret secretly. You are too. (laughs) So now I want to kind of focus on, and this is kind of a weird question to ask you because you are, you just turned 40. So, you know, we talk a lot about life as a midlife athlete, as an aging athlete and how aging affects what you're doing. So you, you recently turned 40. Have you noticed any differences in regards to how you feel, how your body responds or any other types of challenges that you are facing that are like particular to your age as you take on these challenges? Yeah. You know, I used to do triathlons and you would always be trying to like shave seconds off your runs or doing this, that, and the other thing. And the beauty of switching sports into mountaineering is you're not racing up those hills right? You're, you're walking up them, you're hiking up them, or you're watching, like I still watch my heart rate, right? I'm making sure that I'm staying in zone one or zone two. I don't need to get into zone five. So I feel like mountaineering is, it's kind of like the secret way to age into athleticism. Right, (laughs) right. You're just getting into what is technically a, a lower intensity sport, at least on the like day-to-day of it, like yeah, like lower impact, right? Like your heart rate's going to stay lower, even though it's intensely challenging when you're getting into the elevations that you're getting into, but yeah. it's not as impactful on your bones and joints and muscles. And I cheat a little bit, right? Like, so when I need to carry a backpack, I will carry a backpack full of water bottles um, when I'm hiking up and then I'll empty all the water that I don't need So when I'm coming down the hill, I don't have all that extra weight on my joints. Yeah. If I was younger, I wouldn't even think about that. I'd be like, oh, let's throw the sandbags in there and call it good. Right, right. But now I'm like, oh man, I better make sure my joints are good. Or like you just approach things a little bit differently because you want to be able to do this forever. Yeah. And that's a smart way of going about it. A a problem that I've heard from other athletes I've interviewed is that inability to make that switch where your brain feels younger than your body actually is. So you just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Uh, But it sounds like you've been really intentional about that as, as you continue to age. Yeah. And I think when you see injuries, right, then all of a sudden that's like, oh, wow, that could be me. What can I do to prevent that? And I mean, my, a lot of my weight training is now more 
instead of like just doing arm curls or things at the gym that are standard, it's more movement patterns yes. that I'm going to be using in the mountain. It's spending more time, like stretching and strengthening my joints to make sure that I'm like, have the right gait. And I, it's, you just take a different perspective on how you approach things. And quite honestly, I wish I would have started it younger, but here it is. And I'm fine with it. Yeah. I mean, sports specific strength training is helpful at any stage of life, no matter what you're doing, because we are not a series of muscles. We move like we, we want our bodies to be able to move naturally. And so isolating those muscles all the time, isn't necessarily like in line with that. So, and, and then when you're getting into a sport that where you're moving in a very particular way, you want to make sure that your body can support that. So it makes sense for anybody at any stage of life, but I feel like traditional fitness isn't like set up that way, or we're not raised to think like, well, I got to do, I got to do back day and I got to do, you know, and it's like, no, we are not, our back is not separate from the rest of us. It's all connected. So when you do a sport like mountaineering, I'm sure you realize like acutely how connected everything is. Yes, 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 yes. And you're always injury prevention, right? Like you're always thinking, okay, where am I weak? How do I balance that out? Where am I strong? Mm -hmm. How do I keep that intact? And yeah. There. Yeah. So really strengthening the weaker areas so that they can support the stronger areas. So on the other side, have you noticed any sorts of advantages that come to light as you get older doing what you're doing that maybe you didn't have when you were younger or you didn't notice when you were younger? You know, I think when I was, this is probably just unique to me, but when I was younger and I would see people like doing their workout, I would get sucked into their workout, right? Like, oh, they're running fast. I want to run faster than them. Or they're doing this. I want to do that, right? Competitive energy. Oh yeah, the competitive edge came in. One day when a coach was like, "Um, Jen, what are you doing? Like, and I'm like, oh shit. Um, So I think as you get older, you are like, okay, this is my day and this is my exercise and this is what I'm doing. And you can stay in your lane a little bit better than what I could when I was younger. I feel like, I I can go longer. Maybe there's just more in my head that I get to sort out, but I'm not like two hours into a workout and dreading it. I'm two hours into a workout wondering how I already went two hours. Right. But there's just so much more in our heads because there's so much more going on because there's so much more life we've experienced. Right. Right. So yeah, no, I, I I love, like I'm 40, I'm going to be 41 in a few months. I'm, I'm happy. Like I'm grateful. Like I look at what I thought 40 was going to be when I was younger and I was so wrong. <laughs> I can't so imagine like, you thought it would look like this. People. Yeah. <laughs> no, when we were, when we were young, 40 was like beyond old. Right. And it's like, and, and that's what I love. I mean, I'm 46 and, and I'm, you know, my whole life right now is living in this world of, you know, what I call ageless athletes. And so it's, it's really exciting to talk to people. You know, I've talked to people from 40 to 96 years old for this podcast and like old is like, I don't know. It's there's, it, I, we redefine old, but like, what is, what is even old anymore? So, you know, 40 is nothing. And there is this sort of, this sort of new energy around midlife and for midlife women as well, that it's like, we actually are stepping into our age, embracing our age and making the most of our age. And you are an amazing example of that. And I'm sure like you're looking at yourself now and it's like younger me would never have imagined it would look like this. Right. Oh yeah. Not all. But I'm so glad it looks like this. Right. Like I'm so grateful. (laughs) It's so funny. And yeah, no, it's such, it's been a journey and what a great time to be 40. That's all I have to say. (laughs) True story. Tell me more about Bold, Brave, Beautiful. Like what can people find when they go there and who is it for? Okay. Well, I want it to be for everybody that needs a little inspiration, a little motivation, a community to connect with. A big thing for me on Mondays are mantras. So I'll post mantras that I use for the week because that's kind of how I get through my life. Like we do hard things or I am calm or I am strong or I am patient. And just having that focus for the week allows me to be more patient with myself or more calm or more, you know, like focus on where I'm strong. And so I find like those are very helpful for myself and others. Just a good community of people going out there. I feel like when you hang out with people that eat healthy, you eat more healthy. Yes. When you hang out with people that are active and motivated and inspiring, it it brings out that part of you as well. 
And so that's the whole purpose of the website is in the community is like, let's inspire each other. Let's motivate each other and let's make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's important for people to connect with people who are going to be positive influences on them and support them in living healthy and, and exploring their adventurous sides. And like you said, like when other people are eating healthy, you eat healthy, but a lot of people and particularly women don't have access to that or don't know that they have access to that. So they are surrounded by people who don't eat healthy and don't challenge themselves. And so they don't know to do that themselves. But when you put yourself in a community like that, and it's, it's, you know, I've noticed that in all sorts of athletic communities, you know, all of a sudden your circle is inspiring you to be a better person and it changes things. And it sounds like that's what you're doing with this movement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, you're, you're 40 years old, you're about to climb Mount Everest. You've climbed some of the greatest mountains of the world for other women who are in their forties and beyond who are listening to this story inspired by the story, but maybe also saying like, uh, you know, I don't know if something like this is for me, but it's really cool. I don't know. Like what, what advice would you have for women who are listening? Yeah. I challenge you. Like when I say, when I'm trying to differentiate people from me, like, Oh, well she's this or she's that or she's whatever. That's like your excuse monster showing up right? Like my challenge to you would be, where can you find connection between the two of us? Right? Where can you find like, okay, maybe I'm at this, maybe I'm doing this, but you're doing that. But is there something that I'm doing that lights something inside of you that you can see inside of you? And that's the challenge of being a female. Like we're all here to support each other. I think there used to be mean girls. We're done with the mean girl era. Like that's over, right? right. We're all here to help each other. And what is your mountain? What is your challenge? And I'm not climbing Mount Everest because I said I'm doing it tomorrow, yesterday. Like I'm climbing Mount Everest because it was decided a while ago and there's many steps along the way to make that happen. So sometimes I get asked like, well, I don't have a goal. Okay, well just start with something and goals will formulate, right? Like take walk for a day or go for a run or go for a bicycle. And then like, do I like this? Do I don't like this? Do I wanna do something different? And it's just about getting out and exploring yourself in nature, outside and sports and activity and being brave enough to do that because what it'll head, it'll lead you down a road that makes sense for you. Yeah. And it, it connects you more with yourself, which mm-hmm. is so important and gets lost way too easily. So yeah, that's, I, I love that you said, what is your mountain? I think that's, that's powerful right there because I think we can all look inward and figure out or think about ruminate on what is my mountain? My mountain's not your mountain. Right. <laughs> I know my, mountain, my mountains, I climb some mountains, well, not anywhere near what your mountains are, but I, you know, but my mountain's not your mountain, but I have my challenges and they reward me. And there's something about that, finding that challenge and stepping into it and seeing how it can change your life because it absolutely can. Mm-hmm. And you are an example of that. So Everest, Tell me a little bit about, so you've been planning this for years now. It's next month. How are you feeling about it? Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited. We have like a picture of it on the wall. We have books around the house. The kids have like little Everest t-shirts. I love that it's a family thing. I love that you've made it a family thing. It is. It's a family thing. And it's one of those things where it's like, you've put so much time and energy and then to like have it be like four weeks away or what, you know, like it's just getting, it's, I think it's like when you have your first baby, right? Like you're mm-hmm. like that nine months feels like forever. And then all of a sudden, like it's here and there's just so much excitement and anticipation and all these different planning things. and prep and planning <laughs> prep. And yeah. And like, you know, for a while there, we were a little worried that the mountain wouldn't open this year. And now that's been like, we know that it's opening. We have our visas. I'm like, just so excited. Like I'm ready. Like, let's get there. <laughs> yeah. And then how long is the track itself? Okay. So there's a couple ways to do Everest. There's the standard way that is normally about eight weeks. I have little humans and part of the balance is doing it a little bit quicker. So I have a tent at home that I sleep in on my bed. It helps take out the oxygen in the air. So then it can simulate like a higher altitude right. environment. So I'm hoping to go there we have like a five-day quarantine upon arrival and get it done 
within about three and a half weeks and then fly home. So, so part of that 10 weeks is altitude adjustment and acclimatization. Acclimatization. Thank yes. you. Why can't I say right? that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a lot of people will go there and like, depending on the stage of life you're in or where you're at, like, you know, part of the experience is being there for a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. And just doing the different camps and hikes and hanging out with people from around the world. That's not the experience that I'm going for because this is more of a training mountain for me. Right. Um, my experience is like, I'm going to do as much training as I can at home. I'm going to go there do as best as I can and then come home again and hang out with everybody before the next one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Hey, I'm a mom. I've got kids. I got family. I can't go for 10 weeks. You know, I got to make it work for my life. So you, you are even figuring out the balance with Everest, like with all of this as well. So yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, well, where can we cut days or how can we do this? And you know, like when, Again, when you include people on your journey and you be honest with like where you can give, where you can't give, what can unfold, then you start looking at it as, okay, here's what we want to do. Begin with the end in mind. How do we back it into today and make it feasible for everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm so excited for you. And, 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 you know, I've got all this excitement and you've got all this excitement and yet you're like, it's a training, it's a training climb. It's not even my biggest one, whatever. (laughs) It's all good. Awesome. So before we wrap up, I got a couple more things before we wrap up. How can people learn more about you, your journey, Bold, Brave, Beautiful? Give us all the details. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So please follow um, the Instagram handle, Bold, Brave, Beautiful Life. And then you can look at boldbravebeautiful.com. There's a blog. They actually have this tracking software. So when I'm there, you can track like where I am on the mountain. Oh, cool. Um, and I try to give dispatched notes on a daily or semi-daily basis that gives everybody like an update of what's happening. So yeah, no, it's today's world. It's really easy to connect. Very, yeah. And that that's cool that we can actually follow you like live on this journey. You know, yeah, technology yeah. is an amazing thing. So One last thing, and it's a question I like to ask all of my guests before at the very end of all of our interviews. If you could give one parting piece of wisdom to our listeners today, what would that be? Do you embrace you, love you, be you? That's what I would say. Perfect. You were ready. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking the time out of your training schedule, your, uh, you know, running around the soccer field and getting on the stepladder and all of that stuff and getting ready for this huge adventure. Thank you for taking some time to talk to us today on the Season Athlete Podcast. I am excited for you. I'm rooting for you. I can't wait to follow you. You know, all the best to you on this adventure you have coming up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. If you have dreams of achieving bold athletic and fitness goals, like the seasoned athletes you listen to on this podcast, a key part of doing that is a consistent fitness program and routine. And if that's something that's just not happening for you right now, I can help you get it going again. It all starts with your first five days. Your first five days is a free mini challenge that's all about setting that foundation to get you back into your body, your energy, and your confidence with simplicity and ease. Each day during your first five days, you'll get a mini audio training that you can listen to while you move. You'll get simple tips and action steps you can use to make fitness a part of your everyday life in a way that doesn't feel heavy, hard, or stressful. Where you go from there? Well, the sky's the limit. For now, though, start with your first five days. Get it for free at robinleggett.com slash five.